I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio show. I am your host, Isaiah Henkel. Today, I want to talk to you about your darkest hour or your darkest hour in a job search. This is something that comes up quite a bit and we discuss it on various webinars. We talk with a lot of PhDs about the challenges that they're going through, um, but a lot of PhDs who have not yet reached severe pain in terms of their job search or in terms of academia, they're unprepared for their own darkest hour, which if you are in academia is going to come to you at some point. And this isn't meant to be dramatic, but we will all eventually reach a place in academia where we are stuck. The system is so broken with so few positions at the top, uh, that sooner or later you're going to be faced with the decision of become unemployed, stay underemployed in academia, whether it's a postdoc or with an adjunct, or figure out how to get a job outside of academia, figure out how to move your professional career forward and your life forward finally outside of academia. I remember my own struggle in graduate school came after uh, a crisis similar to the crisis that we're facing today. Uh, it was many different triggers, many different uh, causes overall, but uh, it, in many ways it was similar. It was the 2008 financial crisis. The uh, financial markets crashed, joblessness soared. One of the big difference between then and now is that now all countries experience this. Back in 2008, it was about half the countries uh, experienced it. Uh, the financial markets in half the world went down, but in others it went up. Uh, today, we're seeing the financial markets down everywhere. Joblessness is up everywhere. And the overall mood of society uh, in the countries affected and in 2008 was. Uh, very, very bad, whether it was a, a feeling of helplessness, whether it was anger, and uh, even academia was affected. In, when you're in academia or the so-called ivory tower, you, you can be insulated from this. But sooner or later, when the, the world has such a crisis, when there are so uh, many jobs that are lost, when the economy is slowed and GDPs go down, it will trickle its way into academia. And we've already, of course, seen this with the number of furloughs, the number of universities that have stayed shut down, uh, grant funding disappearing even more, tenure professorships disappearing even more. And I bring this up because my struggle in academia came from not in 2008 when the markets crashed, but about 2010, a couple of years later, when unemployment was still very high. You know, all the jobs will go away, uh, but then unemployment will stay high for a while. And that's what we're going to see, or what we are seeing already uh, after the, the pandemic. And so it means it's, it's tougher to get a job. And I remember in 2008 when everything happened that 
there was a, a group of people, I think, uh, you know, myself included, because when you're a graduate student, you know, you're not uh, maybe as affected as somebody who is later on in their career. You think that things are going to going to snap back to normal. Uh, but really, the, the recession that hit in 2008 lasted through 2010, 2012. I mean, you could still feel the effects in the job market. Whether or not things recovered, uh, you could still feel the effects in the job market for years later. And that's what many people are starting to feel now is that there's this extra friction. It's, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, and whether or not that coincides with you getting to that point where you feel stuck, uh, it's better to be prepared for it. It's better to listen to other people's stories about it happening, uh, whether it's mine or somebody else's story. One of the one of the things that I had said to me during that time for me was that nobody pays attention in moderate pain. They only pay attention when the pain is severe. And so maybe you're currently in this state of moderate pain. And most of us learn to live in, in what others might consider severe pain, <laughs> professional pain, of course. Um, but for us, it's moderate, right? Because we have a healthy appetite for challenge as PhDs or PhDs, PhD candidates. So getting paid less than we're worth, uh, being in school, being overworked, we can do this for a long period of time, much longer than other people can. We have the work ethic to do so. We have the stamina, the durability, uh, the, the mental fortitude. And we, we're taught in life from an early age that the harder you try, uh, the more difficult something is, right? The better the reward at the end. And problem is that sooner or later we reach a point in academia where we realize there is no reward. There's no reward anymore. And when we first realize that, we still might be in that, that area of moderate pain, maybe a little bit of denial, like this, okay, well, this can't be true. It's going to be different for me. And I, I had this kind of push-pull inside of me. I thought, everybody else is doing a postdoc, just do a postdoc. Or man, Everybody around me would be so proud of me if I became a professor. Like it's what everybody else was chasing, certain level of professorships, et cetera, that I started chasing that too. But then I'd be like, there's no way this doesn't make sense. And I'd say, well, what about something else? But every time I turned to something else, something else was a black box for me. I didn't have any sight into this uh, field that was outside of academia. I didn't, I didn't even know what job titles there were. I had no idea what what else I could do, and so I went back to this kind of push pull, this this uh, this moderate pain, and it wasn't until the pain got very very severe that I decided to do something about it. I ended up getting a stress induced uh, health condition because of it. I, I was having full blown panic attacks, and I remember whenever whenever I used to hear about people talking about panic attacks, I'm like, this is in your head, you panic attack. I mean, come on. Uh, but I, I had it. I went to the emergency room uh, one day, and it's because there was just so much stress. I mean, it was my thesis, publishing. My PI became a totally different person after the financial crisis. Uh, he was struggling to get a grant before, and the grant levels were higher, 2006, 2007. And then the markets crashed. Grant funding went way down. And it really exposed the character of a lot of professors and PIs. And they just became very nasty people. And there's a lot of good professors, a lot of good PIs, but if you look at, you know, uh, what's been exposed lately, there's just not the same checks and balances in academia for professors and PIs 
uh, abusing students and overworking them. And, uh, you know, this was something that became very contentious for me. That, and I think in, in, some, in some aspects, it's normal. I think sooner or later, you're going to have that kind of friction with your PI because they train you, they mentor you, but then you leave, right? So they have to let go of their most mentored person. And, and there's this friction that always develops sooner or later between a, a, a mentor and a protege. But it became pretty severe for me. And all of these things just stacked on top of each other, you know, not knowing how to get a job. And finally, the pain was so severe that I said, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And that's when, you know, I went from denial, and I'm sure there was other stages in between, uh, to depression. And I was very, very lost. Like, I felt very alone. I felt like I was held back by so many different things. My, my PhD background, I thought, was something that just wasn't in demand. I thought that, you know, I wasn't from a big enough lab or my PI wasn't well enough known. I, you know, I couldn't get a letter of recommendation at this point because we were barely on speaking terms. You know, if my own PI was against me and my department wouldn't help me and the university just was this kind of uh, amorphous uh, blob of bureaucracy where I couldn't figure out like what milestones I actually had to hit to move forward. I didn't, nobody could tell me exactly what I had to do to even graduate. And that's something that a lot of us as PhDs have to deal with is, you know, there's no clear milestone or, or we're told, hey, this is the milestone for graduation or here's the milestone for publication or here's the milestone for getting into that next point of your career for that professorship. And then the, the milestone gets moved. It's kind of like bait and switch. And uh, we just become accustomed to it and we keep doing it until again, enough things stack and you're finally like enough. But that first stage was depression for me. It was, you know, I had to start uh, talking to a therapist about my problems and trying to navigate through what was going on. And if you have done any reading online, you, you know that this is a very common thing. Uh, there's not enough really education for PhDs and PhD students about what the journey is going to be like. There's not enough education in terms of just telling everyone and really, really showing them that there's no path forward for them in academia, not like there used to be, that nearly every PhD will go on to work outside of academia. Uh, you know, it's just, um, it comes as a big surprise to many. And we all reach that point of feeling hopeless. Uh, and maybe you're, you're there now. And uh, you feel stuck. You don't know what to do. And you feel lost. And then we start questioning ourselves. We don't have enough feedback from enough variety of sources. Our only feedback is our PI, our professor, department, the university that we're at, this small little bubble. And so we think, I mean, how many of you has this happened to, right? Maybe you, you meet somebody or something's happening and you, you just, you're just it's almost like surreal. You're like, is this real? I think we've all had kind of these surreal moments over the last few months. Like, is this really happening? Is this real life? And until you talk to other people, and if you talk to a variety of people, they can help you kind of get your footing, right? They keep you grounded. It's very hard to stay grounded in academia, though, because you're in a bubble. It's a very small group of people. You don't have a lot of feedback. The, the N value, right? The sample size is so small that you start questioning yourself. You're like, am I crazy? Am I the crazy one here? Is this normal? Should I be treated like this? Uh, is Am I just worthless? Did I make a huge mistake by getting my PhD? Did I throw away my entire career? Is, is getting a postdoc really my only option? Can I only be successful by doing what 
other people have done by doing that standard path of a postdoc to whatever else. If I let go of my postdoc, if I walk away from science, am I selling out? If I walk away from engineering or uh, humanities or my degree, am I letting everybody down? And we question ourselves so much and it happens so often and we become so reliant on, on the system or somebody else's opinion of us that we'll, I mean, look at how many PhDs end up working for free. They end up working for their professors or PIs for free. That They can't pay them, whether as a postdoc or anything else. They graduate, but then they stay there working for free. Or they work for free after to help them wrap up papers, et cetera, even after they get a job outside of academia. That is the most ridiculous thing ever. The fact that you would feel like it's your obligation to work for free out of some sense of duty or guilt or whatever just shows you how completely absurd academia is and how brainwashed and trained to do whatever you're told uh, that, that you can become that brainwashed. It, it's, uh, it, it's really a fascinating thing. And it leads to a lot of people having you know, mental issues one way or another, or, or at least going into this, this place, again, that I, that I call your darkest hour. And for me, I was depressed. I didn't have a lot of motivation. Uh, you know, you see people like this in the classroom, the lab, whatever. They're going through the motions, and they just—they've lost that excitement, that sense of discovery that brought us, most of us, into getting our PhD. The, the, the really the thrill of discovery, the the idea that there was something bigger out there, something that we could do to impact humanity in a dramatic way. And it's not until we go through that that darkest hour, and then something brings us out of it. Something triggers us, just like there's a trigger to put us into that dark darkest hour. Usually, the pain getting so bad that we finally say enough is enough, and we realize something's wrong, and we finally admit it to ourselves. Wow, academia is broken. I have made a mistake. I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a professor. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And then it's like, well, what am I going to do? What what is there left for me? I can't do anything. I'm hopeless or that your case is hopeless, and then you sink into despair. But then there's a trigger that will bring you out of despair. And that trigger could be another person, maybe a person who talks some sense into you, somebody else that comes along and says, your PhD is valuable, you're valuable, you're just not valuable in academia. You know, or somebody that you see that, you knew, that knew you in undergrad that said, you were one of the smartest people I've ever met you used to do everything. You always found a way. You can do it again. And a lot of us have had friends or peers or mentors like that. And when we stop isolating ourselves, because that's what academia teaches you to do, we reach out and these other people remind us of how intelligent we are, how driven we are, how we can figure out a way out of anything. That's what we know how to do is deal with uncertainty. Go forward. When other people would give up, Scratching around in the dark to, fi to finally figure out something, to find that one thing, that one piece of data, that one reference, that, that information that shows us that something else is possible. And it's there. And that one thing can, can be a launching pad for you into figuring out a new purpose for your life, both professionally and personally. And that is the trigger that you need to find for yourself. You have to find, you know, for some people and for me, it was a job title. I was, I was clawing around in the dark, reading things online about different salaries, job titles that I didn't understand, et cetera. And then somebody came to our university and gave a talk and they, their title was application scientist. And, you know, I was in the life sciences. So I saw a scientist and I said, okay, I should go talk to this person. 
And I went to their talk and I stayed after, and then I asked them how they got into their job, what they like about it. That person had a PhD, and that gave me hope. And that trigger, that was the trigger. Hope was the trigger. And no matter where you are in this journey, if, you, if you're at that place of despair or if you're in moderate pain and you haven't reached it yet, you have to find something to latch onto. It can be a job title. It can be a career path. It can be a conversation you have with somebody who's made it through. I had uh, that conversation sticks out to me. And then another conversation I had with someone who was working at a different uh, company, they were actually the, the, the technical salesperson. They also had a PhD. They came to my lab. And I remember sitting down and talking to them. And they told me about this awful experience that they had also had getting out of their PhD. And that's what made me finally realize I'm not messed up. I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not alone. It's not just me. It's the system. And I I still remember the conversation that I had with this person. And, uh, you know, I asked them to get a cup of coffee and they, they did. I mean, just that small act of kindness to sit down with me and have a 15 minute conversation to show me what was possible, you know? And so finding PhDs who are working in industry and and looking up to them and, and not seeing them as, you know, someone who's very different from where you are. They might just be a few decision points ahead. They might just be a couple of steps ahead of you. That's it. But looking at that and, and seeing hope, not looking with disdain and saying, oh, well, they can do it because of this, or, you know, I have this background or I need a visa or I don't have industry experience. So they probably had a path paved for them. That is being small minded. That's what academia will teach you to do to have disdain for people, to, to look down on them for being successful. Uh, and there's a lot of behavioral psychology studies that show that this is human nature. If you see somebody successful, have something bad happen to them, the, the reward centers of your brain light up, where if it's somebody who's not successful, that, those same centers do not light up. So you have to understand that about yourself, and you have to change it, and you have to see hope instead in, in the, the successful PhDs that have become before you. And if they can do it, you can do it. And the possibilities are endless. As soon as I realized these are PhDs just like me, not that different, who had this, this season of despair, who went through this darkest hour, who had this turning point, realizing that academia is not where I'm going to end up. And I don't have to live like this anymore. I can take steps now to improve my future. I can force my way out of academia. I can demand a path out of academia. And that's what you can do. You have far more power than you think. Your PIs, your professors, the administrators, they are powerless. They are very, very, listen, there's a lot of good mentors, a lot of good PIs, a lot of good professors, a lot of good department heads, etc. But they have so little power, it's almost laughable. And you need to understand that. You, you need to show everybody respect, of course. But do not see their authority. Do not see them as some, somehow little mini-gods that are connected to everybody. And don't see their letter of recommendation as the end-all, be-all. Your career is in your own hands. These people, the ones that turn nasty, the ones that abuse their one little iota of power, they do so because they have no power. They don't matter. The stakes are so small. They've just been producing information and knowledge forever. They've never translated it into a product or a treatment that's actually helped people. And this is one of the main reasons why I think academia is so broken, because you have all of these people 
who train and who teach and, and collect information, knowledge, and write grants, et cetera, which I think is very important for a professional's development up into a point. But then you have to take that knowledge and translate it into a, a product, a service, a treatment, a drug, something that actually helps humanity. If you stay in the cycle too long of just knowledge for knowledge's sake, you turn into a bad person in many cases because you've never actually produced something in the real world that helps people. You haven't actually had that impact on humanity you've always wanted to have. Now, whether or not you agree with that, if you think that's what holds some people back, but not all people, right? Nothing's universal. But you have to understand that you were meant to do something more than just produce knowledge for the sake of knowledge. That hunger that you have inside of you, the reason that you feel like you haven't had an impact, you haven't done anything because you haven't. All you've done is created knowledge or collected more data and information and probably on a much smaller scale than you thought. Are you going to do something about it? Are you going to have hope? Are you going to see what else is possible and move towards it and expand your skill sets and do more? Or are you going to focus on things that are smaller and smaller? You know, to paraphrase, there's this famous quote that the reason everybody gets so upset in academia or take things so seriously is because the stakes are so small. Think about that. You were meant to do things that mattered more. You were meant to transition to an area where you can have a larger impact on people, on humanity. You can still do that. It's not too late for you no matter what you're facing. When you become stuck, if you're not stuck yet, or if you are stuck now, or if you are in that area of despair, there are three things that will get you out of it. The first is to reprioritize your activities, your life, what you're doing professionally. It is nearly impossible to make the change that I have been talking about to transition out of academia into industry, into something else, unless you start deprioritizing academia and instead prioritizing your career outside of academia, your new professional path. This could include in the beginning, carving out time just to research and to learn about industry, just to have conversations like I did with people who are coming to your campus, with the, the salespeople that come into your, your lab, the people that you might interact with if you go over to the teaching hospital that's connected to your university. Start having these conversations. Start seeing what else is out there. Start exploring and carving out time for that. Carve out time to write your resume, even if it means spending less time on whatever paper that you have to do next or spending less time on experiments. Cut back the amount of time that you spend on experiments, on TAing to the bare minimum, right? Just enough to not have your PI or professor yell at you. Doesn't mean that you don't do the highest quality work. It means that you're deprioritized. Now, you can have multiple priorities, right? If you need a paper published or your, your thesis or whatever it is, that's still a priority. You still want to do it to the highest level of quality, but you can start spending less time on it. Try to be more impactful in the smaller amount of time if you can. Focus on ex, uh, intensity, not extensity. This will help you. The best hours of your day, let's say it's the first two hours after your first cup of coffee in the morning, spend that on your resume, your job search. Spend that on what's going to come next for you. If you've made the decision to leave academia, you have to realize that anything that you're producing for academia right now does not matter. Your papers eventually will not matter. They're not what's going to get you hired. Letters of recommendation do not matter. They are not what's going to get you hired. 
your resume, your LinkedIn profile, setting up informational interviews, getting job referrals, learning how to ace a phone screen, a video interview, how to negotiate a salary, all of these things. There's a lot to learn and you need to start spending time learning it. You need to start spending time connecting with people who are working in industry. Start deprioritizing your academic pursuits and instead prioritize your industry job search. Spend your best hours on your job search. Number two, get more exposure to all of the different career paths that are available to you. You've really only had exposure in academia to the one career path that is forced upon us uh, in academia over and over again, which is get your PhD, do some sort of extended training afterward, which used to be a year, right? There used to be no postdocs, but then it was like, okay, do a postdoc for a year, then you can get into a professorship. Now it's do multiple postdocs, maybe multiple three-year postdocs, right? Chase postdocs, as it's called. Maybe do a postdoc for so long that it looks bad for the university, so they change your title from postdoc to associate or research associate or something similar. Same with TAs. And keep going on in that role. And then maybe you get to be a a contract professor, a part-time professor, adjunct professor, where you're overworked and still underpaid. And they just keep dangling this idea of some magical tenure professorship that doesn't exist anymore in front of you, even though tenure is all but extinct. Out of all the different types of professorships that are out there, contract, part-time, adjunct, the full-time professorships overall account for less than 20% now of professorships. And after the pandemic, it's going to be down closer to 5 or 10%. Don't chase something that's not going to be there. Get exposure to all of the different career paths that are out there. There are so many sectors of industry where they're hungry for PhDs right now. They're looking for you, but you're invisible. Start talking to more people. Yes, reach out to people just to have a conversation. You're not quote-unquote cold contacting them or quote-unquote cold nosing people, you can reach out to people to have a conversation. You can tell them congratulations on their job. You can meet people. Uh, go to your where you buy uh, your Western blot gels. Go to where you buy your materials on campus. There's somewhere on your campus where there's likely people, vendors, uh, whoever their vendor representative is, It could be a technical support specialist. It could be an application scientist. It could be uh, a sales specialist. It doesn't matter, but they're probably leaving business cards there for anybody to pick up, which means they want you to reach out to them. That's not cold contacting. So just reach out. Find the ones who have a PhD after their name and just reach out to people and just be interested. Act like you're a journalist. Do what you do best. Get into that mind state of discovery to find out about what they do, how do they transition, what do they do on a day-to-day basis. It'll fascinate you. There's a huge world waiting for you. And I remember in 2008 and afterwards, my world was so small. On top of it, I was in a very small city, Iowa City, and I had not traveled outside of the country at that point. Um, Like many Americans, uh, other countries, people travel a lot more. But I was was very isolated. I had a very small view of the world, very small view of what was possible for me. So much is possible for you. You're so valuable and you don't even know it. You're so valuable. They're looking for people who can do research and analysis, who have innovation skills. All of these skills that we now call transferable skills, which just as a way of talking about 
you know, a, really a collection of technical skills without getting too specific. Get exposure to people. Start talking to other people. Learn the language of industry. Go to different events, even if you can in person, virtually. Start meeting and connecting, asking questions, and be nice. Be positive. Be hopeful. Congratulate those. Add value to other people first. Get out of this negative, pessimistic mindset that academia teaches you to have. That's a great mindset to have to avoid confirmation bias when you're doing experiments or you're writing your thesis or you're gathering or evaluating information. But it is a horrible attitude to have when you're dealing with other people. Be nice, be kind, be engaged. Number three, create a new reason why. Every peer-reviewed journal article starts with a background section right after the abstract. It's the background section because context and significance matters. What is your new context? If it's outside of academia, what does that landscape look like? And why? Why do you want to get out of academia? You need to know and you need to put a name to it. You reach that moment of despair for a reason. Maybe it's you finally had enough of low pay. You finally had enough of being disrespected. You finally had enough of being yelled at. You finally had enough of of the uh, abuse. Or maybe you just had enough of not knowing the direction of your life. Or you had enough of being a postdoc for years and years. You had enough of seeing people that you went to undergrad with launch their careers and be successful while you, who graduated above them, are still slugging away in academia. There's something you, you're not going to take anymore. And that can be your reason why. And then you have to build a new purpose, a new professional purpose around that. What do you enjoy doing? Do you like writing? Do you like dealing with numbers? Do you want to work at a company's headquarters? Or do you want to be in the field? Do you want to travel? How, does salary matter? Like, think of these different qualities of a career. And then what sectors? Look at there's medical affairs, regulatory affairs. Look at the, the overall uh, sectors of industry first. Start broadly. R&D jobs or non-R&D jobs. There's application-specific jobs. Information technology. There's all different types. There's engineering jobs. Optics. And again, it can be more related to applications, maybe project management, or doing more research at the bench, but in industry. And then start zeroing in on some of these job titles that might be a good fit for you. Find your target. It doesn't matter how driven you are, or how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter what qualities you have behind you. You can't hit a target you don't set. Find a few job titles, a few career paths that seem like a good fit for you. And then ask yourself, why do you want those? Because you want to help humanity in some way. You want to get into this field because you love writing or because you have great skills in terms of data analysis. You want to learn programming and to write algorithms. So you want to be a data scientist. You want to work with clinicians. You've been doing basic research, but you really want to work with clinicians. So you want to be a medical science liaison. You want to get into a firm and work very intensely on projects as a management consultant. Find your reason why. Get a target and then back it up with a strong reason why. You've done enough training. You deserve this, but you're going to have to work for it. You're invisible to employers. All you have to do is learn how to be visible, get more exposure to these different industries, again, to increase visibility, 
and keep yourself motivated and driven so that if you face a rejection, and you will in your job search, as you get going, that's normal, you'll keep moving forward. You'll learn the power of next. Okay, next person to connect with, if this person won't reply back to me. Next person, next person. Industry is gigantic, many sectors. Start operating with a strong reason why. There's a new reason why out there for you. There's a new career path out there. Get your hopes up, so to speak. A lot of us hold back because we really got beat down in academia. We initially thought it was going to go a certain way. It didn't. And now we don't want to put our hopes into something that may not work out. You got to go in. You, you have to put in effort. There's no such thing as a guarantee, but if you keep moving forward, if you keep learning, if you stay open to feedback, if you're willing to adjust course along the way, if you evaluate the data and the feedback and you keep moving forward and you stay positive, and by that I mean you keep taking action one direction or another, you will succeed. You will transition and all of you can do it. So hopefully this helps you. If you are stuck now, there is a way forward. If you haven't reached that place yet and you start to, remember these words and you can go check out the Cheeky Scientist Association at any time at phdsgethired.com. For more details on this, to learn more about my story, reach out to me anytime you want. You can find me on LinkedIn at Isaiah Henkel. Thank you for listening. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it, and enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees, Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD. And remember that knowledge is power and your network is your net worth.